All right, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Jay, let's go. He was one step ahead of you. Hello, everyone. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. I'm Kai Rosal. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday, November the 1st today. Yes, today is the day, like any other day, any other Wednesday, when we're going to do some news and then some smiles and then let you go on about your merry way. So let's get into it. Kai, why don't you go first? I'll go quick. Mine's a, a teeny bit of a rant and a, and a God, really, Mr. Speaker? Uh, so as if you follow the news, you know that um, the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson from Louisiana, the new Speaker, has decided to put on the floor a relief bill for, not a net relief bill, an aid bill for uh, Israel to the tune of 14-ish billion dollars. Maybe it's 12. Do you know off the top of your head? Somewhere between 12, I 13, 14 billion Actually, I said you, 14. 14. Thank you very much. Uh, I should have gone with my gut. $14 billion. Anyway, so he's going to put that on the floor. The problem is that he wants to offset, that's the budgetary speak uh, uh, for what he's doing. He wants to offset that by cutting $14 billion somewhere else. And the place he has decided to do it is to cut uh, internal revenue uh, service funding. Now, there's a whole Mm -hmm. political thing that goes along with that, which I'm not going to get into. I'm just getting into the dollars and cents of it and then a little bit of the disingenuousness of Representative Johnson. Um, So uh, what happens when you cut Internal Revenue Service spending is you actually increase the deficit because the Internal Revenue Service is one of the few agencies of the federal government that actually makes money when you spend money on it. So And pays for itself. And pays for itself and then some. So the Congressional Budget Office came out today and said, not only is this going to um, uh, not shrink the deficit by cutting the spending, it's going to add more than $26 billion to the deficit. Let me say that again. The Republican Speaker of the House wants to add $26 billion to the deficit to uh, own the libs, as it were. All right, I said I wasn't getting into the political thing, but I did a little bit there. Couldn't help it. Anyway, so that's point number one. Point number two is he was asked today about the fact that his pro, pro, proposal, sorry, his proposal will add $26 billion to the deficit. And Speaker Johnson, who's been in Congress now for six or eight years and knows better, said, only in Washington can you cut spending and add to the deficit. And that's just nonsense. It's simply nonsense. That, and we should not stand that, for it. That's not tr- true. There's so many parts of that short sentence that are I know. I know. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I just, I can't. I just can't. Life is too hard and, mm. then, and then people are making it harder, you know? That's what yeah. I know. That's my news. A little bit of a rant. Well, then mine will probably follow along well with it, which is there are two Republicans in the House, two representatives, Kay Granger oh, and yeah. Ken Buck, who have announced that they will not seek re-election of the Kay Granger is the chair of the House Appropriations Committee, and uh, GOP Representative Ken Buck is from Colorado. And both of so Buck said he was disappointed in the Republican Party. Granger did not offer a specific reason for her retirement, but I want to look. I want to talk about this um, article in Politico, where they really get into sort of why 
he's stepping down. And he said uh, on MSNBC, they quote in Politico, I've always been disappointed in our with our inability in Congress to deal with major issues. And I'm also disappointed that the Republican Party continues to rely on this lie that the 2020 election was stolen, he said on MSNBC. If we're going to solve difficult problems, we've got to deal with some very unpleasant truths or lies and make sure we project to the public what that is. Now, Buck is in a district uh, that is very conservative. Trump carried that district with 57% of the vote in 2020. Um, Buck won with 61% in his uh, district in Colorado. And it's just another reminder that there are fewer and fewer places, it seems, within the Republican Party for people who are not super pro-Trump or you know, part of this effort to create this counter narrative of what's mm -hmm. happening or what's been happening. And mm -hmm. it's, and one of the things that Buck said is that, you know, he expects that they will not be the last, that there will be several people, uh, several more Republicans who will be stepping down. Um, worth noting that Buck was among the eight uh, Republicans who uh, booted Kevin McCarthy from the Speaker's office. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's interesting that even he feels like there's not a space for him in the Republican Party yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how long it'll be. And look, I know we said this about the Tea Party in 2010, but I wonder how long it's going to be before there is actually a third party of some size in this country, right? Because you got the Democrats who are reasonably cohesive mm -hmm. right now. They're split on some yeah. issues, especially the Israel-Palestine thing, but that's a whole different podcast. But the Republican mm -hmm. Party now is is split in two, you know? Yeah. And, and how yeah. long until it, you know, you'll have the Republican Party like the way we used to know it, the Republican Party, and then you'll have... Mm -hmm the Trumpist party. I don't know what it'll be called, but there, because this is not doable. Clearly the Republicans in the house can't decide what they're doing. They can't govern. Well, and to go back to your Mike Johnson story from earlier, you know, Republicans are supposed to be the party of fiscal conservatism, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I know that there, are, you can poke holes in that argument, but that's at least yeah. what the narrative but, but they're supposed has to. been. Yes. Yes. The, yes. And, and, for for whatever else you want to say, there have been a lot of very fiscally conservative policies that would legitimately reduce the deficit pushed forward by many Republicans over the years. And so to see uh, the Republican Speaker of the House kind of just be like, mm, no, thanks. <laughs> I'll just do yep. $26 yep. billion dollars at it. So, um, yeah, it's I think in answer to your question of when we're going to see a meaningful third party, I think if this ranked choice voting thing really gets going mm -hmm. throughout the mm -hmm. country that will be what does it. And, you know, I'll point folks back to the deep dive we did on ranked yep. choice voting. I, I think it's really interesting. I think a lot more people are taking it seriously. And I think that is going to be what would bring a third party uh, mm -hmm. about more quickly than not. Um, right. So I have one more just as a follow-up yeah. to a conversation we had on the podcast a while back when I brought up that Wall Street Journal op-ed talking about the lawsuit against the National Association of Realtors and the yes. real estate commission fees. And I know that this was on the PM show. It's been a bunch of other places. So if you haven't yeah. heard it yet, they lost big time. They lost uh, and the a jury found them liable 
for inflating commissions, awarded $1.78 billion in damages. Uh, my colleague Henry Epp uh, did a story on this today on Kai's show. I recommend that you go back and listen to it. It's a good summary. But, you know, the trade group, uh, National Association of Realtors, does say, do say? Yeah. They do say that they plan to appeal. And But right after they lost that case, another lawsuit, I'm just going to read here, um, from a website called CoStar, uh, which says, immediately after the verdict was reached in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Missouri, plaintiff's attorney Michael Ketchmark filed a new lawsuit that he said could result in hundreds of billions of damages to cover what his clients view as artificially inflated commission payments. It's a national class action suit covering home sellers anywhere in the country, significantly widening the case geographically while also naming several new brokerages as defendants so wow 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 yeah yeah we're not done we're not done with this no we're not done with this. and as you said it, on it's... the show this would potentially like upend oh, yeah. the real estate industry yep totally yeah totally good deal yeah. <laughs> he's like i'm done it's listening to you jay is like that's right i'm done oh, <laughs> i already paid my real right, estate you, commissions what, what, i want to hear this <laughs> what, what do you got for mom uh, mine is a story in the MIT Technology Review um, about researchers in China who have, it seems, been able to get deaf children to be able to hear using gene therapy. Let me just read this. Um, so this has never been done before. And according to MIT Technology Review, no drug of any kind has ever been able to improve hearing. So these uh, scientists mm. in China say that they're the first people ever to have natural hearing pathways restored in a dramatic new demonstrations demonstration of the possibilities of gene therapy. So what mm. they did was, let me just scroll down to it. Okay. Um, it, you know, I'm not even going to read the whole thing. Basically, it introduces a virus into the ear, ear canal that reactivates some of the cells that basically help wow. you hear. And That's it's, cool. <laughs> and one of the subheads is in this is can't believe it worked. <laughs> Some of the subjects are just yeah. toddlers who can't tell doctors anything about what their first experiences of sound are like, but their parents are seeing behavioral changes. One child who had never spoken has started to say baba and mama after the treatment. Shu believes, uh, it's one of the researchers, children would ideally be treated at around one year of age, a key moment for speech development. And, mm. you know, these are kids who, some of them had cochlear implants and took them off. And if you go to the MIT Technology Review website, there's actually a video with uh, one of these parents and children claiming to uh, demonstrate this. And just this could be really amazing if this is uh, repeatable oh, yeah. and a treatment that could roll out. Uh, so, you know, it's totally. really, it, it made me smile. Uh, yay science. That's super cool. <laughs> yay science. Yeah, That's kind of yeah. amazing. That's kind of amazing. Wow. Isn't it? Isn't uh, it? Yeah, it's really, it's really cool. And also that there's no medication or drug that's ever worked on, on hearing loss. That's, that's yeah. been a while too. Yeah, because basically wow. everything just amplifies it or right. processes right, it right, differently. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, mine is much more mundane. It's in the in the category of pet peeves, but there's a great little piece um, in the lifestyle section of, of the uh, Wall Street Journal today about a trend in hotels across the country that I confess right at the beginning is making me crazy when I stay in <laughs> hotels. 
It's those half glass door things on hotels that don't actually block the water from getting anywhere. And so you constantly have wet bathroom floors when you stay in a hotel and you use up all the towels and you have to order more towels because it's all wet all over the bathroom. I don't understand why hotels do it. And in point of fact, when the Wall Street Journal called Marriott, the Marriott declined to uh, return their call for comment. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I just, it's, it's, it's a cute little piece. It's, we'll put it on the show page. Also, oh, the other thing, by the way, sorry, as long as I'm on it, two more pet peeves, yeah. one of which is addressed in this article. Um, the fact that it's really tough to tell sometimes which way is hot and which way is cold on the, on the mm. uh, faucet. That's number one. And number two, and this is just bad design, you have to reach through the water stream to turn it on. Yes. Thus you turn it on and it's yes. cold and it hits you. Yes. Come on, man. I cannot Come deal. Come on. Cannot deal. I, I, am, I am by no means a design expert, but that's bad design. Okay, I'm done. Mm, uh, I was a little ranty yeah. today. How about that? That's okay. We all have days like that, and it's fine. That's <laughs> yes, what that we we have. The, we are lucky to that's have true. the space to rant. That's we true. We are lucky. That's true. All right. So the, that's it for our rants today, and we will be back tomorrow with our audio clips show. And if you heard a story this week that does have some audio that you want to share that caught your attention that you think deserves a little unpacking, do let us know. Uh, we might include it in our Thursday show. This Thursday or next Thursday, you know, you got some time. Uh, we're at Make Me Smart at marketplace.org and 508 You Be Smart. The smooth. I know, it's great. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Berg. Seeker Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Today's program is engineered by Jay Siebold, as if you couldn't tell. Our interns, Neil <laughs> Farshabandi. Ben Talladay and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine... I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.